I mean, you can oftentimes physically feel the difference if you're just tuning into yourself. Coming to you from Arlington Independent Media, I'm your host, Lynn Borton, and this is Choose to be Curious. Welcome. I think a lot about the mind-body connection all the more these days as I, a devoted, addicted even walker, am recovering from a ruptured ACL and experiencing the frustrating consequences of my recent confinements and potential long-term limitations. But lots of people don't or can't walk, so the experience has also given me an opportunity to reconsider my body in a novel way. I also start most mornings in meditation. Now that the weather is warmer, I'm back on my balcony listening to the world wake up. My meditation typically begins with a body scan. I imagine a line of bright light moving downward from the top of my head to the tip of my toes, illuminating a thin slice as it goes, giving me a chance to check in, look closely, see how things are doing. The goal isn't to change anything, although I often do relax a little when I detect attention or discomfort. No, the, the goal is just to be curious, take note, to pay attention to what's going on in the corporeal me. These daily rituals, scans, walks, come together today in this show, all about how curiosity shows up in work and life, for a conversation about how curiosity shows up in and for our bodies. Some weeks ago, Eva Meyer, who runs her own personal training studio in Washington, D.C., sent me an email confessing she'd had a radio driveway moment listening to one of my interviews. She'd been driving home listening, as I hope you all do, to WERA on her car radio. She pulled over before descending into her parking garage, not wanting to lose the signal, and she listened to the very end. Once inside, she checked out my website and found, quote, your mind is a muscle. Think of us as your personal trainer. And that really resonated for her. And she reached out. And so today's conversation was born. Eva's email made me think of General George S. Patton Jr., of all people, who said, an active mind cannot exist in an inactive body. What does that suggest about how our physical well-being might depend on curiosity? How might we choose to be more curious about our bodies to amplify that growth? And as we emerge from two years of disruptions of every sort, how might we be curious about how our bodies can or might respond to new routines, new rituals, new ways of moving about in the world again? to consider those questions and oh, so many more. I'm delighted to have Eva Meyer join me today. Welcome, Eva. Oh, thank you so much <laughs> for that intro. There so many parts of what you just started with resonated for me just now. So I really appreciate you having me here today. <laughs> well, I appreciate you having reached out. I'm, I'm excited about this conversation, as we said, because I've got personal movement issues going on in my life, but I think we all do at all times. So the conversation feels very ripe. Totally, totally. And I got to say, I mean, I want to, one thing I just want to start off with is how much I resonated. And I think so many people really resonate with what you were saying, just about walking and how that for you 
in a very similar way for me is almost like your flow state, you know, and and I think that's kind of a, a hot button phrase, but it also, I mean, it's a very, very applicable phrase. And it's just one of those basic human functions for most people where you can just move in this steady, even way and your mind just goes. And I always say I have some of my, on my like just random walks, I have some of my most groundbreaking ideas because your mind just kind of sets free. And and I mean, it really, that experience for you as well as for me, I feel like sets the stage so well just for this conversation because it can be that simple in some ways to really create that that body awareness, that mind-body connection that so many people talk about in a very similar way that you were also talking about meditation, which I know included myself again, but <laughs> some people find very challenging, but but it's such a kind of vital work and, and such a, a vital part of the human experience, I think, that no, that was just a really, really lovely jumping off point. It really resonated with me. Oh, good, good. Well, you know, I was thinking this morning, you began as a dancer. Mm-hmm. Do you remember a moment when you first understood that movement as exploration? I mean, what I might call curiosity, but but as exploration? Absolutely. I think, so yeah, I was basically 12 years a dancer. I started dancing when I was really wow. young. I never danced with a company or like, you know, quote unquote, serious professional work. But, you know, I danced, studied with the Washington Ballet when I was young. That was kind of my base training, Um, moved with into my high school team, um, which was, you know, practices four days a week after school. And, And it was, I think it was about that time when I was in high school, when I was a teenager and dance specifically, but movement in general became this way to just express emotion in a way that I think a lot of dancers experience. But that I think for me was really the beginning of my movement curiosity. It was exploring more than just what can my body do? How can my body do it? But why is my body doing this? Why are we moving this way? And getting to experiment with movement textures and flows and just different experiencing different styles. And I mean that like when you see somebody walking down the street, noticing the differences in how people walk, just to kind of go back to that, you know, that example of some people are going to walk really, really quickly. And it's like, okay, why, why are we doing that? And other people are going to take smaller, smaller steps, shorter steps. Why are they doing that? Is it because, is it because that's just what their body enjoys doing? Is it because there's some sort of some sort of, you know, physical reasoning for it? Maybe they have really short legs, who knows? <laughs> Something like that. But yeah, but I think for me, Really, it started kind of in those high school years where we're all super angsty and have so much emotion to feel. And I was really lucky, I think, to have dance as an outlet and as that yeah. space to give me give me exploration and give me curiosity. And do you find as a personal trainer, 
you're bringing those same questions, not just to random people walking by, but obviously to your clients, right? Yeah, absolutely. How does that take shape? And I guess the question for me that also comes up is, do you encourage that in your clients for themselves as well? Absolutely. In fact, I would really say that is very much the crux of the work we do in the studio. So the line method is my baby. It's my studio. And it's it's been a very organic development of a movement practice. Um, I will say it started kind of very Pilates centric, if you're familiar with the kind of Pilates world at all. But as as I progressed, as the company progressed, and I had more experiences with more people, I had more experiences in my own movement practice, I realized that it became something much bigger than just, okay, we're going to do this one movement style and that's it. And don't get me wrong, I think there's totally a world and a time and a place for specific movement styles to be effective. But I think ultimately the priority for this studio, the priority for my style of movement teaching shifted and became more about helping people helping people connect with what's going not just what's going on in their bodies but actually why it's going on in their body mm-hmm. that actually i've got to say has so little to do with me and what i'm thinking and so much to do with what my clients are experiencing and it's it all comes down i will say it very much starts with creating foundations here in the studio of trust and of really comfortable comfortability. (laughs) And, and that's, you know, because I feel like the running joke in the the kind of movement industry is that we are part teachers, part therapists. And I say that facetiously because I am not a medical professional. I'm not a licensed therapist. I'm going to throw that out there or a physical therapist for that matter. But creating that foundational level of trust and helping people understand that they have a space where they can be comfortable to explore. They have a space where they can feel vulnerable. And and once you can get that foundation just laid, once people get really comfortable in, in starting that exploration i mean things just unlock and you can look at the you can look at the body and the movement patterns of people and start to wonder okay why am i shifting this way or that what is what's making this movement challenging for me why am i moving in this specific way and if it's cool with you actually i think one i'd like to do a little bit of just a a practice that oh, I'd I, love that absolutely. I think this would be really um, just cool for you, cool for me and the listeners. But so, wherever you are right now, if you're sitting, if you're standing, if you're walking, keep yourself just there. Just get comfortable in where you are, and and just take a breath. Just one inhale and exhale. Just like let things go. And now, as you finish up that exhale start taking note of where your hips are. Take note if you're maybe shifting onto one hip or the other, are you shifting them forward or backward? And then once you've found where the hips are, take note of where your ribs are. 
Are you sitting up super tall with perfect posture? Or are you maybe leaning over to one side or the other? Are you maybe rounding forward and opening the back of your ribs or vice versa? And then the last place is take note of where your feet are. Are you walking right now and you're listening to this on the go and taking really long, heavy strides? Are you seated and maybe you have a little bit more weight in one foot or the other? Do you have a little bit more weight on your toes or your heels? And just take note of those things because ultimately these are the foundations for your body. These are where your body is maybe at rest if you're sitting right now. And this is the foundation of, okay, why is my body here right now? Why do I personally always shift over to my left side when I'm sitting? I almost am always sitting with more weight on my left hip. I have done a lot of self-discovery work on my own. And for me, it's because I've had, a, I've had an injury in my left hip that was rather chronic and fortunately has resolved itself over time with work, but my body likes to protect that left side. And so I kind of lean into it a little bit. And for, you know, someone, Lynn, I know that you were kind of dealing with some knee stuff going on. And so taking note of where maybe your knees or your hips are falling and identifying, okay, am I protecting? Am I feeling really comfortable with where it is right now? That I think is the really the foundations for starting not just the questions of what is going on, but why are they going on? Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. And I, uh, and I'm sitting here going, yep, yep. I can feel like, (laughs) you know, the ribs aren't really very nicely aligned with the hips. That would feel better if it was that way. The feet, they're cockeyed on the floor because the knee doesn't work quite right. (laughs) Exactly. I, you know, that raised so many interesting questions for me in terms of the why is so many things, right? I mean, the why can be really driven physically. You know, I'm conscious that like places elsewhere, like my shoulder hurts because of the way the body is connected, you know, that my gait is uneven and that's translating into my shoulder and my neck. And and so kind of being curious about those things and open to the possibility that it's just kind of, that's a referral of something. Maybe that's all that is, or maybe that's actually tension because oh my God, there's so much to be worried about in the world right now. You know, it could be any of those things. So we have a we have a physical why, we have a psychological why. We also have like a social why, right? I was thinking of something you said as we were preparing for this conversation. We also have all of these kind of external norms and particularly for women, there's an awful lot of ideas about how our bodies should be moving in space that are imposed upon us. And so, so what I like about bringing curiosity to our bodies, right? It's like the only one we've got, we've had it our entire lives. It has changed tremendously and will continue to change, Mm -hmm. but it's ours and kind of reclaiming it through curiosity. I mean, that's really where I feel 
like what you're inviting people into can take us. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, it's, it is interesting when you look at a lot of the kind of gender norms, like, you know, kind of like you mentioned, just societal factors that come into the way of how we move. And it works, you know, I mean, kind of on both ends of the spectrum. I mean, for women and for men alike, I think historically, you know, if you get on Instagram these days, Sometimes, particularly when your Instagram is flooded with fitness kind of fitness content, as is mine, you see a lot of postures and poses that I think have been very, uh, very just kind of influenced by historical societal norms. You see mm. these guys like with huge chests, huge shoulders, puffing themselves up, and and you know, and it's just because that is not to say it's right or wrong. That's kind of a bigger conversation, but it's just the way that masculinity has been betrayed, has been portrayed in the past. And whether or not that is actually beneficial for your posture is kind of beside the point, but it's, you know, but it's also the same for women. It's that idea of like, you create what is kind of colloquially called the the sway back uh-huh, <laughs> and you uh-huh. rear out behind you. And it's because it creates this like very voluptuous shape, which is now coming like very much back into quote unquote, like in fashion for women's bodies. And I think that that is very much kind of the, the aesthetic side of the fitness industry that I will say can very much, can very much kind of intertwine with your movements, your whys and Mm -hmm. your hows, but Ultimately, I think when you start peeling back those layers and you can kind of get deeper into the emotion of, okay, why do you feel the need to puff up your chest? Why do you feel the need to go into that sway back posture or, you know, or kind of roll your shoulders forward? Why are we moving this way? Is it, I think a lot of it ultimately does come back to the emotional connection to your body. And sometimes it takes peeling back more layers than others, but but ultimately, you know, I think it does. It always comes back to that kind of emotional connection of, all right, are we walking this way because of pride? Are we standing this way because of some sort of sadness or fear or are we, or on the other end of the spectrum, are we moving this way because of happiness? You know, I mean, I I totally encourage you the next time you get some great piece of news and then you decide to go off on a walk, like see how your posture and just your your gait has changed. And I mean, you can oftentimes physically feel the difference if you're just tuning into yourself. Yes, yes, yes. I think about that now, particularly as we are kind of at this point of inflection, right? Things feel like the world feels like it's opening a little bit. I mean, I feel like my body is responding to that too. Like I'm coming a little unclenched. Mm-hmm. And that makes me think about the role of playfulness and experimentation and fun in physical activity. Because I think people think often think of going to the gym as something they have to do. It's like the gym is grim as opposed to 
when we were kids, you went to the gym and you played. And I'm wondering if you have thoughts about that in this context of sort of helping people be curious about their bodies and how they're feeling going towards that more sort of playful, joyful direction. Absolutely. Yes. I completely think that fitness, exercise, movement, whatever you want to call it, should be enjoyable. Mm -hmm. I think that can inherently mean it can feel challenging. And I think that's just however you kind of want to identify with the movement you're doing. But I also think that it can be interesting and it should be interesting. One phrase that I always use in studio, I mean, my clients have heard it a million times, is that there are a thousand ways to do the same exercise. And as someone who has come from a dance background, I will freely admit I get very bored with like very, very repetitious movement technique, ballet technique classes were never my friend. (laughs) And You know, it was because I always loved choreography as I think is probably the fave of most dancers. But I think, you know, it kind of goes back to that idea of building foundations, you know, just looping back into that original conversation. And there is no way of getting around building foundations, but that doesn't inherently need to be boring or torture or, you know, it, it should be a really enjoyable experience. And, and like I said, that can kind of, that can really look different depending on the person. I mean, just to give you some real life examples, I have a few clients who come in here and they love being really pushed. They love the challenge in there strength in their cardiovascular endurance. And we use all these different ways to give them that challenge they're looking for, but also in, you know, a very safe and effective way, which is why they're working with me. And then I have other clients where, you know, a challenge for them is just going to be coming in and maintaining the accountability. And, and they get in here and we do all these great movements to build strength and to improve their mobility, you know, whatever it is that their goal is. But ultimately, it's just, I mean, it's so person dependent. And that that idea of playfulness, I think, should always, for lack of better terms, come into play. You know, if movement is something that you're just not even looking forward to, I mean, that's the telltale. You won't, you will not stick with your goals, you won't stick with your, you know, I'm not always in love with the word routine, because I don't think life is a routine. But, you know, for lack of better terms, if you're really not enjoying your fitness routine, you're not going to do that for five years, for 10 years, for the span of your lifetime, you know, it'll, it'll go by the wayside, because you found something else you enjoy more, whatever it may be. Nice, nice. Well, we're almost out of time, but I'm going to invite you to play with me to do the big jar. So you know how this works. I have this jar, random slips of paper. I'm going to take one for you, one for me, and one for the audience. We're going to make an analogy to curiosity with whatever is on these slips of paper. Yours is kayak. How is curiosity like a kayak? Mine is weaving, and I have one for the audience. So do you want to go first, or do you want me to go? Um, you can knock okay. your Okay, weaving. Um, I would say that curiosity is like weaving because it is about 
sort of the intertwining and crosswork of different materials and ideas um, and and that it puts things into intersection and in intersecting with one another that might otherwise not meet one another. Um, uh, oh, so that's how curiosity is like weaving. How is curiosity like a kayak? Well, I think ultimately for me, it comes down to when you're when you're kayaking, when you're in a kayak, you're doing one of two things. You're either going with the current or you're going against the current. Current or three things. You're going across the currents. And I think that is very reminiscent of curiosity because that in essence is what it is. I mean, you have the kind of flexibility and the choice to go with a current and follow down this path, whatever you're on, or you can not in necessarily a bad way, you can opt to flip your direction and maybe you're swimming upstream against the currents and you're deciding, you get to decide how you interact with that current. And I think that's very reminiscent of, of curiosity. Very nice. Very nice. And kayaks, a very playful boat, I might add. <laughs> and audience, yours is jelly. How is curiosity like jelly? Let me know. Facebook, Twitter, hashtag analogy. Well, Eva, thank you so much for this conversation. It's been great. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Choose to be Curious on WERA 96.7 FM. Listen online at WERA.FM. You can find this and all my previous episodes on my website at ChooseToBeCurious.com. I hope you follow me there and on social media at Choose to be Curious. And don't forget to send us your jelly analogy, hashtag analogy. Many thanks to my guest, Eva Meyer. Check out links to the line method on my website. Links, too, to the conversation with Dr. Nicole Rochester that caught Eva's attention. Thank you, Dr. Rochester. Thanks, too, to Sean Ballack for our theme music. And you're listening to Are We Loose Yet? by Body Tonic via Blue Dot Sessions. I hope you'll join me again next time. And until then, choose to be curious. Funding for Choose to be Curious on WERA 96.7 FM is provided in part by the Center for Parents and Teens, where families are strengthened through a connection built through positive communication, mutual understanding, and realistic expectations of one another. For more information, visit www.centerforparentsandteens.com. Choose to be Curious is sponsored in part by realtor Christine Hopkins. Curious about real estate? Christine works with clients from around the world using her time and knowledge to build community. As she likes to say, community engagement has always been my big why. Working in real estate has helped me express that. What makes you part of a community more than living there? For more information, visit facebook.com slash Nova House Hunter.